Ethos New York Knicks podcast, Andre Gallagher and the Knicks close out that Cavaliers. You're sitting there on pins and needles and going into that game thinking the Cavs are going to go to the Wizards and find a heart and they're going to fight and they're going to get on the boards and they're going to box out and they're going to they're gonna throw haymaker after haymaker. They're going to play with the pace and they came out like, what? This is it? It's all you got. It's all you got. It's over. That's what you're thinking when you're watching this game. Of course, you still a little nervous. You got to play it out. They didn't blow them out. But, man, listen. That's all. That's all. This team is soft. They are soft. I feel badly for Donovan Mitchell. Garland, you know, you play with a little heart there, too. But. They got to get rid of Jared Allen. I saw a lot of people say, you know, oh, Mitchell Robinson always outplays Jared Allen. You heard me all year long saying Mitchell struggles against strong, big, strong, big men. He he struggles against them when they try to score in the post, which is something the Cavs never tried to do with Jared Allen. At the end of a few of those games in the series, they went in for some quick buckets down the stretch when they were trying to score and come back in the game. And he scored almost every single time. Scored on Hardenstein. He scored, scored on Mitchell. I've seen Jared Allen light Mitchell Robinson up in the post. Just why can't he stop him right now? But teams don't go to post centers that much. Even when he was even when he was lighting them up, it was only a couple baskets here or there. It was just obvious that he couldn't stop him. Easily, at least. They didn't even explore it. So you left Jared Allen out there without him touching the ball the whole game. By the way, a center who can put the ball in the basket, he's not allowed to touch the ball. And you're saying, we need you to wrestle with Mitchell Robinson the whole game. And you you put that task on him, you put that task on Evan Mobley, all 115 pounds of him, and you see him getting bullied game after game after game. And he's really getting treated like a rag doll. And I know it's embarrassing for him. It's got to be embarrassing for him in front of his teammates. There was a, there was a play early in the game where Mitchell Robinson just shed just shed Jared Allen for an offensive rebound. And Levert came in and fouled Mitchell Robinson. And you saw him kind of lose his temper with Levert. Levert probably said something to him, and he kind of flipped out. And Levert kind of had a little smirk on his face, like, okay. And it's because they know that you're just getting outmanned. So just to talk about the Cavs here for a second, there's a lot of talk about how Cavs need a wing, and, you know, they don't have a reliable wing, blah, blah. Listen, I get that, man. Okoro is still developing. I think Okoro played well in his opportunities. He shot well in this game. In game five, he shot well. He responded. He made plays. He beat Randall to the basket a couple times in these games. And it's like, I don't know why y'all picking on Okoro like that because I just don't know if the coach trusted him enough in the series. Yeah, they're going to leave Okoro open sometimes, but he hit a couple of those shots. Everybody's missing shots. So why don't you rely on his defense? Because his net rating, at least going into, I believe, game five, his net rating in the series, was one of the highest on the team. Why not rely on defense? Why you keep searching for offense? And, of course, you everybody wants an all-star. You want an all-star wing or whatever. Carl's not good enough. I get it. I get it. I get it. The team doesn't score enough points. I get it. I get it. I get it. But part of the problem, the Knicks, uh, the pro- part of the problem, the Cavs don't score enough points is because they have a center who can score points in the paint. They don't give him the ball. And they have Evan Mobley, who they don't give the ball that much to, and whose offensive game is a little bit shaky anyway. And they're down there clogging the paint, and you they, they basically just want them to catch the ball and dunk it. And if you take that away, 
you just have a bunch of defenders in the paint for your smallish guards and your sometimes he wings. So going forward for them, you need to pawn Jared Allen off on somebody else. And and I went back and forth with Seth Partnow on this for a not back and forth. I made the point and he disagreed a bit. But it's just that Jared Allen is there to do this job as a big man, to be a big man, do big man things. Box out, get rebounds, be a force defensively. He was none of that. If you're not going to be a force defensively, if you're not going to box out, I shouldn't say box out, if you're not going to get rebounds and control the boards or at least break even, what are you doing here? What is your purpose? Why not use that salary, that kind of money, and get yourself the magic wing that you're looking for? Get yourself somebody who spaces the floor. You know, uh, do you put Evan Mobley at center? Against some some matchups, you can't get away with Evan Mobley at center. I think you're better off having some big men options there so he's not there all season long. That's, you know, I brought up Seth Part now. He brought that point up to me at, at one point when I met him. If you can avoid using an undersized power forward all year at center, do that. Yes, you're going to play small sometimes. Maybe in the playoffs, you're going to play small sometimes. But don't have this guy getting beat up all year long at the center position just because your your best lineup has him at center. Save him for when you need him to play small and the proper matchups, et cetera, and just not have, don't just have him arbitrarily getting beat up every every night at the center position. Evan Mobley's really, really light, and he's not going to get much, much bulkier. He can get stronger, but he's not going to get much, much bulkier, in my opinion. So, no, let let him be your small your small lineup five, kind of the way Bam out of bio is for the Miami Heat. You use him against certain matchups, but you need to just get another center. And I know it's easier said than done, but get a center who can space the floor a little bit. And again, easier said than done because you kind of had one in Kevin Love who you let walk away to the Miami Heat, and he helped them get to the second round of the playoffs. Meanwhile, you were afraid to play anybody on your bench. They didn't have a backup big man on their bench who played in the series. I don't know what happened between them and Kevin Love. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna jump to any conclusions. It could just be as simple as Kevin Love didn't like his role and he was complaining about it. But, you know, I did see somewhere where Bickerstaff and the Cavs basically said that he's not gonna play anymore and he's out of rotation. And uh, hey. Kevin Love couldn't hit a shot though. Let's be fair. He couldn't hit a shot. When he was with the Cavs, he couldn't hit a shot when he was with Miami for most of the year. Now he's hitting shots, so Miami a, is a much better team now that he's knocking shots down as a stretch five, and he's going to give the Knicks trouble going into this next round. We're going to get to that in a second. But they didn't even have a reliable big man to come in and play. Their depth really hurt them, and you know this is not a Cavs show, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But I don't think they can go forward with Jared Allen because you already know that he got a boogeyman in the Eastern Conference that he can't do anything with. And I understand that Mitchell, maybe every team don't have a Mitchell Robinson and he might, you know, it might just be a bad matchup for him. I understand this is just one of his his first playoffs. So, you know, he can adjust going forward. Listen, the only adjustment he needed to make was to box the fuck out. That was the adjustment. Man up. That was what it was. And he couldn't do it. That's a fatal flaw to me. Evan Mobley is different. That's not that's not going to be his game. Okay? 
he needs to shore up his offensive game. The way people talk about Evan Mobley, and I'm not down on him, but they talk about him like he's, you know, he's going to be an ex-coming to Jesus Christ. And meanwhile, I'm watching him, and he barely put the ball in the basket if it's not a dunk. So, okay, I'll wait. So before I, I, I close the book on Cleveland and talk about the Heat, I'm going to bring up a call that I mentioned on this show before to Cam and, and Antonio Daniels on Given Is it Given Go? Is the name of their show? Yeah, it's Given Go. That's the name of their show on NBA Radio. Rick Kamla, Antonio Daniels, I called them during the whole Donovan Mitchell saga. And this is the last I'm going to, this is not going to be the last I talk about. I'm lying. It's not going to be the last. I'm going to try to make it one of the last times I talk about it. We talked about, I called to talk about Donovan Mitchell trade because they were killing the Knicks. They were tearing them apart. Tearing them apart. Calling the organization a joke, this, that, and the other. And I called and Kamla made the point. He said, you get you get Donovan Mitchell. Maybe you you make the play in. Maybe you get into the six seed, and, and you set a foundation going forward. And and maybe you get more help. Somebody else wants to come and play with Donovan. And I'm like, listen, the Knicks were in the playoffs two years ago, and they set no foundation. There's no foundation unless you get better. You have to build on that foundation. The Knicks tried to get better last year. They failed. We talked about it. All right. You have to get better. And the problem is. That player that you want to come in and play with Donovan Mitchell, the Knicks would have had no more assets to get him. No assets and no cap space. Because coming into the season, Julius Randle was at negative negative value. And Jalen Brunson was seen as, at best, as, as, as a contractor. You're not going to just trade away, obviously. And R.J. Barrett was just coming into his own. And, you, and, he had, and he didn't have a good season. Didn't have a lot of value coming into the season. And he still doesn't. Much respect to the way you play in the playoffs, which might increase his value. But you understand the point. So who were the Knicks trading to get this other guy? It wasn't going to be Randall. It wasn't going to be RJ. It wasn't going to be Brunson. And everybody else would be gone. They weren't going to be no other guy. They were going to be a team with Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson and, and Julius Randall and RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson. A team that coming into the season, nobody would have looked at and said, oh, that's a championship team. But that's pretty much that's pretty much who that team was going to be in terms of their their top flight starters for the foreseeable future because they'd have nothing else to get anyone else. Why is that relevant? Because welcome to the Cavs new problem. Everyone's talking about all the new things the Cavs need to do to get better, blah, blah, blah. The Cavs don't have a whole lot to trade. The Cavs gave everything away for Donovan Mitchell. They don't have that many options. I'm not saying they can't figure it out. Kobe Altman is an awesome uh, general manager. He'll figure it out. He'll figure something out. But his options are limited. If you think that they need some kind of superstar to come in there, guess what? It's going to be Jared Allen that has to go. And it's going to be some disgruntled guy. It's going to be a guy who might be old. You know, it's not going to, who might be too old, maybe injured. It's not going to be some dude in his prime because they don't have the assets. Not unless they're trading Mobley. There's no one else there that anyone wants. So this is the team. This is the team. Now, you never put anything past the NBA. You got players make things happen. They want to play with each other. They make things happen. But you got to have something. You got to have something. You're really, if you're a Cavs fan, you're in that organization, you're really holding out. 
for basically a giveaway scenario, the kind of giveaway scenario that the Knicks have been waiting for for 20 years and it never really kind of happened. It's hard. You're out of assets. You're looking at what you're going to be. You're looking at it. And if you got it, if you're switching out Jared Allen for another wing, great. You're still going to be light in the pants. When you're talking about winning the championship, you're still going to be light in the pants. And Don and I love Donovan. I want. I still want Donovan on the Knicks. I'm not going to go into the logistics of how that would ever happen. But I'm just saying. I just don't think it's enough. It clearly isn't enough. It wasn't enough. Knicks are a good team. They played them well, and they're in their underrated team. But listen. If you couldn't beat the Knicks, you weren't you weren't about this life. You weren't ready for this. You weren't built for it. And it it that in a vacuum wouldn't necessarily be the end of the world, but when you don't have any assets and and one of the building blocks that you thought that you were going to use is what only thing that you're probably going to have to use to get anything else, and he might not carry the value that you think he does. I mean, you're not necessarily, you're getting better as a team, but you're not getting substantially better because you're losing so much. Because you, there's no, I mean, you can find, you know, guys off the scrap heap, heap and everything, but Jared Allen was a, he's an all-star level player. Generally considered to be better than Mitchell Robinson for a long period of time. Dominated. They're back to the drawing board in Cleveland. They're back to the drawing board in Cleveland. And the reason why I bring up Rick and AD in the, in, uh, the Give and Go show is because they were the, the majority. The majority of people looked at that and said, the Cavs are going to be contenders. And it was like, okay, if, if that's what they are, they're toast. As that, they are toast. And it's and it's like that's what that's the fate that you were trying to put the Knicks in, and the Knicks could get to that same place, they can get to that same fate uh, on another path. Like they can make a similar mistake and st- and be in the same place. But people are already accusing the Knicks of being a mid team, let's like a middling team, just a treadmill team. And I pushed back on that because Brunson wasn't on the team until this year, so you can't go into that treadmill nonsense. You just didn't think you didn't think Brunson was that good. Now he is. So you don't know what the limit is for this team, and they have plenty of assets to get better. And maybe, and maybe the move they make won't require removing the depth of the team. That was such a strength for them, and probably won this series for them because Julius got hurt, Quentin Grimes got hurt. The Knicks were coming at the Cavs with waves of players where there was no drop-off. Meanwhile, the Cavs are trying to they trying to hide. They don't want to play certain guys. Even the guys that were playing well, they didn't want to play them. Steven, he, Stevens came in and played, and played awesome. But enough. The Knicks put this to bed. They put that whole storyline to bed. I said they put it to bed during the regular season when they only finished a couple games back behind Cleveland. They had already put the story to bed. But you still had nonsense narratives out there talking about, well, if Donovan beats him in the playoffs and that's all that matters. Okay, well, so much for that. And again, there's no reflection on Donovan because I'll trade for him tomorrow. 
if Don, if, if Danny Ainge had asked for six picks, and, and obviously some players have to be involved for salary cap purposes, but if the players didn't matter, Donovan would be a Nick. But the players didn't matter. He's being greedy. But the Cavaliers, if you're unhappy with Donovan, we'll be happy to send you. We will send you five. We'll send you a bunch of first round draft picks. We don't want. We'll give you Evan Fournier, but and 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 Derrick Rose, and call it a day. That's it. Don't ask for nobody else. Happy to take Donovan. I understand this. Could, it doesn't necessarily make basketball sense to make this deal right now. But you understand what I'm saying? This is not a reflection on Donovan. People are trying to make it that. The team just wasn't good enough and they didn't have the heart. And you you heard it from their locker room. People keep taking us the wrong way because out of the Cavs locker room, Ricky Rubio, Danny Green were saying that they didn't believe the Knicks were a better team than them or more talented than them. They just wanted it more. And Knicks fans are getting offended by that because, you know, you're being childish. That's an indictment on his own team. Who cares if they think they were? Of course they think they're better and more talented. They're not playing, not playing, you know, the 96 Bulls. They're playing a team that was inferior to them in the standings. Of course they think they were better. Okay? They had the best player on the floor, apparently. But not wanting it more? I'd rather have guys that want it than guys who are just good, have talent. You got an inch more talent than someone else, but you don't want it? So what? Give me the guy who wants it. And that's what Ricky Rubio was saying. That's what Danny Green was saying. They didn't want it. It's an indictment. On that whole squad, and of course, their first playoff run, they'll come back better next year, potentially. I get it. Fine. That's fine. Y'all didn't want it enough, and your own teammates know it, and it starts at the front line. It starts at a guy that you better get rid of, and no shade to Jared Allen because I think he's a good dude. You better change something up on that front line because that didn't want it enough. It starts there. It starts there. But shout out to Kamala and AD because they definitely, definitely did their little Mary Copa on the show. I actually called the show when I was doing it, which was weird because I was definitely calling to rub it in their face. And they they apologized to Nick fans. They said they were wrong. You know, they didn't really couch it that much. AD couched it a little bit because Brunson is better than people thought, which is ironic because with the season that Brunson had, maybe they should have traded for Donovan because they'd really be a powerhouse. <laughs> right? You just... No one knew Brunson was going to be this good. I thought he was going to be good. I didn't think he was going to be this good. But there's arguments to be made that if you had, if you had traded for Donovan, you would have two superstars on your team instead of just one. But you know, be that as it may, all those guys that would have gone, those guys are part of the reason why the Knicks are a good team. Quickly, Grimes, all these guys, Obi, they all all part of what made this team what they are, and why they have a chance to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. But they got to go through the Miami Heat and Jimmy Butler. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We had to catch up on that Cavs series series before we got to this Miami Heat rivalry. Let me tell you something. I'm not going to go into this too much. Jalen Brunson, for those of you who don't know, his father played for the Knicks. Father played for the Knicks in 1999 and 2000. 1999, Knicks went to the NBA Finals. They were the eighth seed. They beat the one seed Miami Heat. Won an Allen Houston floater in game five, leaving like a second left on the clock. Less than a second. 
that 1999 run is etched into the minds of Nick fans who lived through it. It was a miraculous run. It was full of great Nick moments. There's a zillion highlights just from that run alone of iconic Nick moments, including Allen Houston's game-winning shot in that series, being the eighth seed, including Larry Johnson's four-point play, which essentially sent the Knicks to the finals. Uh, and what you don't see enough is when Allen Houston torched the Indiana Pacers in the final game, just ISOing him, ISOing Reggie Miller and Jalen Rose and lighting them up shot after shot after shot. The Knicks' finals run in 1999 was pretty much, even though they didn't win a championship, Pretty much a high point in the 90s era, even though it didn't include Patrick Ewing, who had gotten hurt that year uh, in the playoffs. Didn't include Patrick Ewing. You know, it didn't include John Starks. It didn't include Charles Oakley, who had gotten traded for Marcus Camby. But that 99 run meant everything to Knicks fans. And it culminated a four or five year run against the Miami Heat. That was just full of controversial moments, fights, not just fights, brawls, suspensions that ruined seasons, Pat Riley leaving the Knicks and going to the Miami Heat and taking over the franchise, leaving the Knicks high and dry, and Knicks Knicks hired Don Nelson, didn't work out, Jeff Van Gunny becomes the coach, he becomes a Knicks legend. Tom Thibodeau was an assistant coach under Jeff Van Gundy during his tenure there, including the time that Rick Brunson joined the Knicks team and had a young toddler named Jalen Brunson, who he used to, who he used to bring to the locker room and he used to be bouncing the ball off his bottom lip in the locker room, wearing jerseys. Patrick Ewing was just quoted yesterday as talking about uh, talking about. If he knew Jalen Brunson was going to be this good as a toddler, he would have started recruiting him then because he started whipping his butt when he was at Georgetown and and Brunson was at Villanova. We're talking about a guy who was in the Knicks locker room during these wars, during these runs, when the Knicks earned their reputation for being a hard-nosed franchise that'll fight you, Play physical, make you earn everything, every single thing you have. You better show up. You better have the gumption because the Knicks are going to make you work. That's when that, that reputation was earned. It was earned in the 90s. And all due respect to the 70s championship team that had their own reputation. But the 90s and a modern, more modern era, that's where it was earned. And the Knicks fell off for the last 20 years. Never recaptured that. But this team has. Led by Jalen Brunson, who was a toddler in those locker rooms. I'm telling you, and you've you've heard Jalen Brunson talk about it all year long. Full circle. This is home. All of this. He was born to this. He wasn't. This is not one of those things where. You know, a guy comes from Oklahoma and he's a Nick and he's, you know, just kind of getting his feet feet wet and trying to figure out what's going on. No, nah, he knows what this is. He has seen this. Not only did his father play in the middle of it, he was in the locker room while it was happening. The assistant coach on that team hired his father 
to help him coach the Chicago Bulls. And he was in Chicago and he grew up in Chicago playing basketball there. Nick's, Nick's orange and blue runs in this man's blood. He's born for this. You've got to be excited as a Nick fan for this series to see what Brunson can do. Now, the Knicks need a healthy Randall, and they need that Randall that played the first half of game five before he hurt himself. And listen, Nick fans, man, start chanting Randall's name. You chant everybody else's name. You do a whole lot of chanting. Randall's out here, flaws and all, but he's out here giving you all he got. And that's all you can ask for. He's giving you all he got. All right? You got to take some of the good with the bad. He came out in that first half of the Cavs series. He missed a couple shots, but the way he was playing, I think he had six assists before he got out of the game with that sprained ankle. Give this man something, man. Give this man something. Give this man something. Please. If he comes out in game one, and whenever he plays, give him a round of applause. Give him a chant. Get him, get his spirits up. And let him know that he's appreciated by you, Nick fans. Because this man is giving you all he's got. And all he does is watch you chain everybody else's name. Okay? So, give him a little respect. Because they need him in this series. I see a lot. The Knicks have an advantage in this series. You heard me say it all year long. The Cavs were the favorite. I don't care what anyone says. The Knicks have a puncher's chance. I stand by that. They were the favorite. You know what? The Knicks are a favorite in this series. And you don't want... I understand you don't want to be, oh, expectations, blah, blah, blah. Nah, nah, they're the favorites. They got home court advantage. They have the better team. The Heat just played better than the Bucks. They're playing better than they played in the regular season. They outsmarted the Bucks. They outschemed the Bucks. They out everything the Bucks. And you heard the sad news that Boone Holzer lost his brother, you know, during the series. That's tough news, and I'm sure it affected how he coached or didn't coach team in in that series. You know, God bless him and his family. I get it. I'd be I'd be no good either if if it happened to me. The Miami Heat are a very scheme heavy team. They have a tremendous coach. They have a tremendous player, Jimmy Buckets. And I'm not gonna sit here and sing his praises. The Miami Heat got their own podcast. But this is a series the Knicks can win. The Knicks played the Miami Heat during the regular season while they were desperate for victories. Now, one thing that the Knicks did not see is they did not see a ton of Duncan Robinson. They saw, saw a little bit of him. So a hot Duncan Robinson is going to be a pain in the butt, but there's a reason why Duncan Robinson didn't play all year. They didn't see a Kevin Love who was hitting jump shots because now he's hitting his shots. And they didn't see playoff Kyle Lowry who was kind of half-assing it all year, if you ask me. A guy who knows... Josh Hart knows Jalen Brunson and might know some of their tricks. I just don't think the Miami Heat are good enough to beat the Knicks. If Randall plays, if he doesn't play, it's tricky. I think the Knicks can win a game. Uh, one of these first two games, they can win without Randall, but they're not going to win the series. I don't think they win the series without Randall. And it's not just because of what Randall does offensively, it's because of his versatility defensively. Most teams. Don't have the person to to really go at Julius Randle. They have they have people to go at other people, but Julius Randle is usually on somebody who's not that kind of guy. In this series, Julius Randle is going to have to either be on Bam sometimes, or he's going to have to be on Jimmy sometimes. 
Jimmy and Bam started running this little, you know, short screen and roll game that really jacked it up, jacked up Milwaukee. And it's a nice little cute little play, the way they execute it. And it's going to jack up the Knicks a little bit too. But if Randall and Randall's on the floor and he's on Bam, usually, I mean, if Kevin Love is on the floor, Mitchell's going to have to stick with him. Now, Randall might actually be on Kevin Love so Mitchell could stay closer to the paint. That's probably what's going to happen. But if they start running that play, I can see Randall being on Bams just so he can switch on Jimmy so Jimmy doesn't get those easy looks coming out of that that uh, that action. You know, I'm curious how it's going to go because it's going to be a little bit of a chess match in this series. The Knicks didn't shoot well in their series, and Miami did. So you want the Knicks to turn that kind of thing around. You know, Knicks aren't a great shooting team, but they're a better shooting team than they showed in that Cavs series. And they're going to have to, they're going to need all of that in this Miami series because Miami started hitting their threes. And they don't hesitate to shoot them. That's the other thing. Teams that don't hesitate to shoot those threes, they give the Knicks trouble. Guys who are thinking about it and they want to be wide open, nah, you're toast. And the Heat are also going to play with a lot of pace. They're going to try to. Because Jimmy doesn't play with pace the whole game. But they're going to come out swinging. They're going to try to play with pace as much as they can. They don't have a bunch of point guards on the team. Tyler Harrow got hurt. They don't have a bunch of guards. Oladipo got hurt. But they usually have talented guys on their roster who can make plays. You know I'm a big fan of Martin on that team. Um, Struess woke up. Sometimes he's there. Sometimes he's not. You know, they I, they don't have the dogs to beat the Knicks in a series provided the Knicks have all of their pieces and play with the composure that you've seen them play with in this playoffs. Because that was another thing, watching that game five. The Knicks were playing smart. They were playing smart. They had poise. They weren't hitting every shot. They weren't perfect. But it was like, yo, this team is is, is like they're playing um, chess out there. The way they were approaching the Cavaliers. It was just, okay, we'll do this now. We'll do that now. Let's, you know, let's weather this storm. They scored a couple of plays in a row. Okay, well, we'll, we'll come down. We'll run out stuff, get a good shot. Brunson was a little too aggressive and not making his shots in this game. That happens sometimes. You hate to see it. Uh, I don't think the only person on Miami outside of Bam Adebayo is going to give Brunson trouble is going to be Jimmy Butler. And if you got Jimmy Butler on Jimmy Brunson, um, on on Jalen Brunson, then somebody else is going to cook. RJ Barrett is going to cook. Okay, Gabe Benson can't guard him now. Gabe Benson going to go at Jalen just the way he did the last few games in the regular season. He's going at Jalen super hard. But I think, I think Jalen was playing solid defense on him. It's just that he didn't care about it. He didn't respect his contests. It wasn't like he was blowing by him. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Sometimes Jalen played good defense on him and just didn't matter. And the same thing, Kyle Lowry's going to tick up his offensive aggressiveness. He's a big, strong guy. You know, he hasn't been playing great, but he's playing against guys that he knows very well. So he has some sense for how to attack them and what's successful against them. So they have some advantages over there and obviously have an outstanding coach. But the Knicks have more. A healthy Knicks team has more. They have more. And if they lose this series, it's because they got out-schemed. If they lose this series, it's because uh, a few too many of the Knicks did not step up. You saw quickly step up in that game five. God bless him. He came just in time. That's a quickly you need to see in this series. You know, Grimes didn't play well when he was playing. You need to see a better Grimes. OB stepped up, flaws and all, but he stepped up. 
And he played well, and he, he stepped up to the plate and made the plays he needed to make. Give him credit. Jimmy Butler killed the, the Milwaukee Bucks, murdered them. I don't see him doing that to the Knicks. He's had his big game against the, big games against the Knicks. He definitely has, but Josh Hart plays Jimmy Butler well, but Jimmy Butler will figure him out, and he will get fouls on him, and he will score on him. But you know what? The Knicks are going to throw other bodies at him. They're going to throw other bodies at him. They're going to blitz him. They're going to make him do other things. They're not going to just sit there and take that medicine the way the Milwaukee Bucks did. Um, the, uh, the Miami Heat are going to have to make their shots, and they're going to make some shots now. Uh, but if the Knicks are the Knicks, if they do what they've done all year long, I don't see the Miami Heat stopping them. So this is an exciting series for a Knicks fan because I really think we're looking at an Eastern Conference final. And I will be genuinely disappointed if they do not beat this Heat team. And I'm not taking them lightly, but they are better than this team. And they should beat them. And guess what? I'm going to be at game one. I'm going to be at game one. By the time you hear this, I'm going to be preparing to be in that crowd making all kinds of ruckus. Get that Miami Heat team shook. You also got a storyline between Thibodeau and Jimmy Butler. And, and you know a lot of people talk about it, but they don't really get down deep into it. Brian Scalabrini talks about it a lot, how Jimmy Butler had to earn everything he got when he was with the Bulls. And it was because of that that he got as good as he got. That a lot of coaches would have just given it to him. And Tibbs made him work for it. And this is why so many of the the players that are worth the, worth the damn, like Derrick Rose and Taj Gibson and Jimmy Butler, this is why they follow him around. This is why they go to different teams to play with him because they respect him. And he played a huge role in, in, in their games, in their development. So, yes, Tom does not just play young players just to play them. He's going to make them earn it. He's going to teach them. He's going to develop them. And Jimmy Butler is a prime example of that. Jimmy Butler came out of the mud. Nobody cared nothing about what Jimmy Butler was doing until Thibodeau got, it, got him and he, and he brought it out of him. Brought it out of him. They had a little, I don't even think it was a real falling out in Minnesota. I think it was more of a falling out with, with the organization and some of the other players on the team. And Tibbs just got caught in the middle. Because I read a story just this week that when, after, after Thibodeau got fired from the Timberwolves, he would go to Miami and, and hang out with Spolstra and go to the practices and go to dinner with Jimmy Butler. There's no beef there. But he's so many connections between these two franchises. Tibbs and Jimmy Butler, Spo being an assistant coach of Pat Riley, Jeff Van Gundy being an assistant coach of Pat Riley, and him begetting Tom Thibodeau uh, as an assistant and, and raising him in the New York Knicks organization. There's a bunch of former player, a bunch of former players in both organizations that were on those '90s teams. Alonzo Mourning has a role in the Miami organization. I know Atkins was. We had a role for a long time in the Miami organization. And the Knicks, everyone knows, LJ, out in Houston, all these guys have roles in the organization. All these guys are floating around in the middle of all of this. But like Josh Hart said, those are old war stories. And and these players have to make their own way. 
they have to make their own way. So you can talk about that, and it's nice to to, to reminisce and, and make these connections, but these players on the floor, they got a chance to make history. And you got to understand, I can't tell you about the great 1994 run to the finals. I can't tell you about it. A little bit here and there. The Bulls series, sure. Play the Pacers, a couple moments here or there, yeah. But you know what the difference is between 94 and 99? You didn't expect it. You didn't expect it. 94, the Knicks are trying to do this for a couple of years now. You were desperate. You were desperate for them to break through and, and finally, you know, achieve something with that team. So you have a different energy. It's a different energy for, for a team that has expectations. And it's going to be a different energy for this team going forward with expectations. Real expectations. But when you have a year where your team is doing way more than anyone else expected them to do, it's just pure joy. It's just pure joy. Of course, you're going to have nervous moments and, you know, you got this heat series where the Knicks can win the series and the Cavs series or the Knicks can win the series. But it's different when they're expected to be here. Next year, the Knicks are going to be expected to be in the second round. They're going to expect to progress. Like the Memphis Grizzlies, you were expected to progress. That's a different energy as a fan. You don't get this often in your lifetime. I was lucky enough to see it in 1999, where it was just pure elation every time they came through. Every time they did something, you it was something that you didn't expect them to do. Sure, you can beat the Heat, but you're probably not. Sure, you can beat the Pacers, but you're probably not. The Pacers were in the finals the next year. These runs are special, and Nick fans know it. I don't have to tell anybody. They know it. There's plenty of nonsense Nick fans out there just always looking for something negative. But you see the way these crowds are in the street. You see the way these crowds are at the 4040 Club and other bars around the city. You see it on Twitter. Nick fans understand this is a special run, and they're going to appreciate it. I'm going to appreciate it. And the players are going to appreciate it. The way the players played in that Cavs series, they played like a team that understood, hey, nothing's promised. This might be our only chance, our only opportunity to do this. So let's get it done. That game five on a row with your team playing, that other team playing for their whole season, and they were able to beat them start to finish like that? That type of composure is why I'm confident this team can pull this off. And you've seen that kind of composure for most of the year. I think I talked about this before. For most of the year, you've seen composure like that from the Knicks. I've mentioned there have been plenty of games where it was a big game on the road and Knicks needed to win, and they did it. They pulled it off. They had their 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 you know slumps and all of that kind of stuff. A lot of the Knicks slumps coincided with runs and injuries, by the way. Every team needs their health. They need Randall healthy. They need Brunson healthy. They need everybody ready to go. Quincy, uh, Quincy, Quentin Grimes, everybody ready to rock and roll. And they'll have a chance. They'll have a chance. And now you see the biggest bugaboo in the Eastern Conference, Joel Embiid, is playing hurt. He's, he's hurt. He's not even playing right now, but he's hurt. And the second best player in this team is in Vegas smacking people. He's a doofus. 
the Knicks have a chance, man. They have a chance to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, and they have a, a, a puncher's chance against Boston, who they beat all year long. And listen, don't put too much stock in regular season uh, matchups and wins. It worked out in the Cavs series. It didn't work out in the Atlanta Hawks series. It is very, very rarely doesn't mean much. You get to scout people a lot longer and prepare for them with a, with a lot more focus in the playoffs. And there were a lot of players on the Celtics who just didn't play some of those games, like Marcus Smart. But I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. It's, uh, we don't care about that right now. Let's just focus on the Heat. Focus on the Heat. Just know the Knicks have a chance to do something special right now. Just know that. Just know that. Game one tomorrow. No no series is won in game one. You don't want the road team to come in here and smack you in the face. That's important. If they win the game, they held serve. Let's go. Let's go. I'll be at that game. I will take some video. I had video from game three, but I didn't post it on Twitter. I will do better. Hopefully, I'm a good luck charm. You're welcome. But don't forget, in the midst of these exciting playoffs, don't forget to check out sportsethos.com. Follow at SportsEthos on Twitter. Follow at Ethos Knicks. Until next time.